Live from Salt Lake City, this is Heart of the Matter, where we do all we can to worship God in spirit and in truth, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Tonight we're going to have an invocation by Brother Robert Verdon. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for your goodness to us, for sending your Son to save us for tonight and for this opportunity we have tonight to uplift you and to think, talk about you and think about you. And uh, also to talk about Mormonism, what's wrong with it. Bless our time together, we ask, Lord. Uh, bless everything that is said and done tonight. And also, Lord, might you be glorified and lifted up in what we do and say tonight. Be with Brother Sean, or Sean McCraney and uh, Larry. And Lord, might the truth be uh, exposed and magnified. And might those that watch come to know you in a personal way from what they see. Might they be touched in their heart by you. And Lord, we ask for all of this in the holy and precious name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Robert. Uh, as some of you know that we have a uh, bookstore and we have books that are available to you. We have Shield of Faith. This is written by a police officer who's a believer. He's a really good guy. And I've been told that he describes, I think, uh, the reason for Christ and Grace, my friend RJR, he said this is one of the best descriptions, and it's, it's escaping me of what he said it's the best description of. RJR, what did you say? I thought it was the best description of the need for grace and how depraved human beings really are. The, uh, the need for grace and how depraved human beings really are. Uh, Brandon's up on the streets up in the Ogden area. He sees a lot of stuff. So that's Shield of Faith. And then If Then is a book about uh, political, uh, kind of political abstinence for Christians, in a sense. And at least it's not using Jesus for political means. That's really what it's about. If you want to be in politics and you're a Christian, whatever. But then I was a born-again Mormon. And uh, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face, -face, an A to Z doctrinal compendium. And uh, you, you can uh, look at that. And then my favorite of late, Knife to a Gunfight, Misinterpreting the Purpose and Place of the New Testament. And all those available online. And then, of course, if you don't have the cash or the ability to pay, you just email us and say, hey, I don't have the money. And then the ministry will send you one for free. And uh, also, we have a workbook, The End of Material Religion. This we can send to you PDF. Oh, also, Knife to a Gunfight is available. Um, what's it called? Amazon, ebook. I read it. Audible. Audible. It's available, Audible. Uh, and so you can go on the website, hotm.tv, and you can actually listen to me read it with my velvet voice. Uh, it will put you to sleep. Okay, uh, let's take a look at this, and we're going to come back with a special guest. Be patient, trust in the Lord. 
Realize that your answers are not going to be found in institutional religion. They're going to be found in a relationship. Therefore, do what you can to establish and encourage and strengthen that relationship. That doesn't mean going to church necessarily. It can. Start reading the Bible, a version that you'll read, uh, and just relax. If you're married to somebody who's still LDS or, or you have children or all that mess, just keep trusting in God and building your relationship through Him. Don't try to answer everything at once. Don't make fighting the church your main cause. Initially, that would be the things I would suggest you do. So we're trying to put together uh, different frequently asked questions on video so people on the website can just click that and that way we don't have to answer it over and over again. Uh, through the email. We had a show already to continue on with last week, and um, I got a text last night. It was from my friend and brother Robert, and this was last night, and this is what it said. Uh, Larry Livingston says he wants to debate you on Tuesday night so he can tear you a new one. And uh, I said, I don't debate anyone anymore. Tell him I love him and wish him the best. If he wants to come on the show, he can. And then we, he said, you know, can he? And I said, sure. So uh, I don't know uh, really much about Larry. In fact, I know nothing about Larry. And uh, we have not had a Latter-day Saint on the show uh, in a long time. And I'm not about debating anymore. So I thought this would be really interesting to just have an impromptu discussion with Larry and to hear where, I think he's come from a unique background within Mormonism, and so we'll hear about that, listen to that, and then we'll talk and we'll take your calls, open up the phone lines if you have questions, and then maybe even people in the audience, if they have a question for Larry or for me, we want it to not be a debate, we want it to be uh, kind and loving. So Larry, welcome. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Tell the audience about yourself, who you are, where you came from, why you're here, where you're going. Okay. First of all, I'd like to say Robert Burden exaggerates. <laughs> I'm not here to rip you apart. If I said that, it was in a joking manner. Oh. But Robert tends to take everything literal. Ah. Um, he just, I don't know. Anyway, enough about Robert. Um, basically, um, my background is I'm a fifth generation Mormon on all lines. Um, and uh, Welcome Chapman uh, was about the 50th member of the church. He's my ancestor. Uh, James Campbell Livingston is another ancestor. He had the most to do with building the Salt Lake Temple. Um, basically, I grew up LDS, but I did not want to go on a mission. The reason I didn't want to go on a mission is because I think, while I believe in the LDS church, I think there's, it's not perfect. And some ideas have entered in, like all organizations, um, that probably aren't 100% correct. The reason I didn't want to go on a mission was because um, I didn't feel 100% worthy. Um, my personal opinion is that the LDS Church is too extreme on how you live your life, because that can't be obtained. However, no offense, but I think a lot of non-LDS people are probably too liberal. Um, they Somewhere I think in the middle is where we need to be. We need Christ in our life and we need the grace of Christ, but I think we, we, that doesn't mean we abuse the grace. You know, it doesn't mean we just do whatever we want. And, mm. you know, so, but I don't know where the balance is. That's up to Christ to work within each of us. But to make a long story short, I just felt that most people lie when they do the temple recommend question. So I felt like I was pushed to go on a mission. I didn't really want to go, but I went. And I was supposed to go to Taiwan at first, but I walked out of the MTC because <laughs> I just couldn't handle it anymore. And, and then they, and then- What they, couldn't you handle? Just the extremism. I see. I mean, I don't think anybody can be perfect in this life. The next life, I don't know. I don't even think the word perfect is in the Bible. I think it means whole, complete, um, living your life so the spirit can dwell within, basically. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of problems with Mormons and people of all faiths that read the Bible is they're reading it in English or Spanish. And, you, you know, it's really in Greek and, and, and Hebrew and to a certain extent, a lot of it comes from Aramaic. And, 
you know, it's kind of hard to just read it in English and really know what it says. That doesn't mean everybody has to learn Greek or Hebrew, but sometimes people get really weird ideas because they don't have the background. But eventually, um, so basically what happened is I was called before the general authorities because they wanted me to go on a mission. I did not. Um, a miracle happened. And which I don't really want to go into, but you can't you can't throw that out here. You can't say a miracle happened. Oh, I really don't want to go into it. Okay, if you want to know basically what is happened. Is it too sacred to share? No, I'll tell uh, you, but okay. it, it is a little bit unusual. Basically what happened is I went and talked before the missionary committee and they assigned one person to basically he was gonna decide because the general authorities couldn't decide whether they wanted me to go on a mission or not. And finally, Spencer W. Kimball got involved in it through this, you know, great committee story. member, Arthur Strong. And basically what happened is I felt the Mormon church was lying about me. That they, of course I'm not perfect, but they had, you know, they had exaggerated what I had done. Mm -hmm. And basically, um, I mean, let me give you an example of that. Um, I was working with um, people who were LGBT at BYU because I was asked by the church to do so not because I'm gay, I'm straight, but they had problems with people who wanted to commit suicide there. And I was working with them, and that got, that got convoluted that I was gay. You see what I'm saying? I mean, because you know how rumors go and everything else. So I basically told them that I didn't like whatever my file said, you know, in the church office building or whatever. I felt that there were lies in it. And basically what happened is they tried to tell me there weren't, and then some unseen force started strangling this committee member. And he basically said, well, you know, stop at whatever it is. And I said, well, aren't you the true church? Don't you have the priesthood? You stop. He basically said, no, I can't because we have really screwed you. And we thought we'd just get rid of you because you were an embarrassment, but you're going on a mission. I said, I'm not worthy to go on a mission. They said, tough, you're going on one anyway. So I went on a mission to Minnesota, very hard mission, very cold. And Lutherans, unlike a lot of Protestants or evangelicals or born against whatever, um, they don't even want to talk to you. Because a lot of them don't even believe in faith. They just believe in grace alone. So they believe in even talking to you. It's going to jeopardize their grace. So it was a very difficult mission, but I had eight converts. You know, I didn't convert them. You know, when I ran into them, they probably should have been Mormons their whole life because they had that type of thinking. Um, you know, they were saying, well, where's, where's another book? Where's a prophet? You know what I mean? I just happened to run into them. They were golden. Well, yeah, because I, I can't convert anybody. I don't have the capability, you know. So anyway, um, then I came back from my mission, and basically I had to leave BYU because my grades weren't good enough, and I transferred to a Catholic college. I almost became Catholic, but, and, and then I started reading the Sandra Tanner material, and I left the church, I got disfellowship. But over the years, um, basically what happened is I kept having this dream about this girl, this blonde girl that was young, and I thought, well, maybe I'm just having this dream because I like blonde girls, you know? Delaney, but, stay in the cage. <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> and that was good. So anyway, but basically what happened is I was skiing one day and I always had this picture of this blonde girl skiing. It was about 16 and here I am and I'm an older man, you know, I'm 45 and I'm thinking, you know, this is wrong. Well, it's not, I don't want to get involved with a 16 year old. But I'm skiing down this hill and this girl looks at me and she says, I don't know why, but I've seen you in a dream. I really think we should ski together. Oh my gosh, I have too, you know. So we were talking and she said, I get the feeling that you have rejected belief in Christ and God and you, whatever religion you were born in, you've just kind of thrown the whole thing away, which I had because I felt like I tried to be Catholic. I tried to be born again. I tried to be Lutheran. It just didn't click for me for whatever reason. I tried to go back to the Mormon church. That didn't click. But she said, you know, Larry, I don't care, her name was Nikki. She said, I don't care what you believe, just believe in Jesus. So, you know, I, I just thought it was silly, but because I had seen her in a dream, I thought, wow, I better take this serious, right? 
So um, she basically led me back to the Lord. And I remember she kind of had these silly born-again songs. I thought they were silly because I have a Mormon background. You know, I still remember one. Jesus is all right with me. <laughs> but she would have me, you know. Was this, around, was this around 1974? No, no, now I'm older. This is like in the 90s. Wow. Okay. Old song. Yeah, right. So anyway, um, well, she had all these old songs, you know. And, and we emailed each other. And finally, at the very end, because she said she'd only email me for a year, I said, well, what's up with that? So we emailed each other, and then finally I had a dream. And I saw her in my dream. And we were basically the same age, you know, because we had both died. And I said, well, may maybe now I can be her friend because we're the same age. And I went to hug her, and she said, no, I'm not your wife. I'm kind of like your guardian angel. I'm here to bring you back to Christ. Well, I told her that, and I said, you know, does this make any sense to you? And she said, yeah, Larry, I have leukemia, and the reason why it was a year is I'm going to die in a couple days. And she died. Mm. So then I started thinking, well, now that I believe in Christ again, what do I do? And I met a bunch of people. It was a long way back to the Mormon church. Because, like I said, I was disfellowshipped. I had to confess a lot of sins to the bishop, which I'm not really proud of. But, you know, and there were good words and there were bad words. Okay, I happen to be lucky enough to end up in a good word. And for me, okay, and I'm not saying everybody has to be LDS, um, because I don't believe in making decisions for other people. Because I don't know where they're at, and their relationship with God is their own business. But for me, just for me, Mormonism works for me because may, maybe other people don't need it, but I need that structure to be close to the Lord. I need a community. And if I don't have it, I tend to wander off. And sometimes I, I'm very tempted to do serious sins. And I, you know, the Mormon church, I'm not saying you get saved by works, because I believe you get saved by grace, but I don't like doing serious sins. It doesn't make me feel good. So the structure so, helps you. Yeah, I mean, it helps me. I am a lot better person than I was. Mm -hmm. But it really took, I think, the Lord working through the Mormon church to do that. Mm -hmm. Because other churches just don't have the structure. Mm -hmm. Also, I've been on Mormon welfare. I was homeless, and they gave me about $50,000 over time, which I was very grateful for because I had medical problems. I'm very grateful for that. However, I don't really judge people that are Catholic or Muslim or born again because I believe that the relationship with God or however they see divinity, um, that's their business. That's not my business. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying other things don't work for me for whatever reason. And I feel the spirit when I'm in the LDS church. And I feel it to a lesser extent when I go to the Catholic Church or some Protestant church, but I don't feel it as strongly. So uh, the institution, the structure, the programs, that all has helped you through your uh, problems or helped to give you some structure and order, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not as tempted much to go to a bar or look at pornography or gamble. or, And like I said, I don't think those things necessarily count for heaven and hell because that's for the Lord to judge but I am a happier person because I don't do those things okay so would you liken it then and I'm not being crap I'm not being sarcastic but would you liken it to someone who joins the military because they need structure and uh, they're being juvenile delinquents and their parents say you're joining the army and they put them in that and it really straightens them out and it gives them some guidelines uh, are you equating Mormonism with the, someone joining a club like that? Or are you saying it's more spiritual than that? Well, it's both. Is but it? that's actually a good analogy. But I believe, you know, um, there's not just the Mormon church. For me, the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. Ghost is just German. Spirit's just Latin. It's the same thing. But, I mean, I think the Holy Ghost works with me in the Mormon church and outside the Mormon church. But the difference is when I'm alone... Sometimes I kind of wander away. And when I'm in the Mormon church, that doesn't mean I feel it all the time. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm perfect. But it helps me be more perfect and closer to the Holy Ghost. 
So would you, uh, you're kind of atypical because you're saying that, from what I understand, uh, you don't dismiss people who are Lutherans or Catholics or born-agains or whatever as being just as good with God by virtue of the Holy Spirit. You're not saying that. You're, you're not saying people have to be Mormon. I'm saying I really don't know what's in their heart, and I don't... And if I die and the Lord says, hey, the Baptists were really right, I'm not going to start telling Christ, I'm not going to um, convert Christ to Mormonism. I'm going to, well, okay. Oh, that's really good I, of you, I'm, Larry. I'm really confused. <laughs> Can you explain to me why the Baptists are right? But, you know, if that happens, I'm willing to listen to the Lord because the Lord is the Lord, you know? I see. I see. So, uh, but I really don't, I am being sincere, I don't really know the Baptists are right or the born-agains. For me, I don't think the Mormon church is 100% true, but it leads me more to the truth mm -hmm. and a better life than other things. And I feel Christ more in the Mormon church than I do others. Where, what is that truth that it leads you to, Larry? I feel that I can't do it alone. I feel that Christ has to work with me, but I feel like I have to yield to the grace. It's kind of like... If somebody gives you a million dollars, yeah, they gave it to you for free. Let's say they give you a million dollar check. Mm -hmm. If you rip up the check, <laughs> right. doesn't do you much good. Right. And maybe the person keeps giving you the million dollars. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you kind of have to take the million dollars. Okay. Now, maybe you take the million dollars and you spend it foolishly. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, gee, I need the million dollars again. Okay. But what I'm saying, what the Mormon church does for me, through Christ, I take the Mormon church and I spend it more wisely. You know, it's a stupid analogy, but it's, I can't explain it's a, it's the, the right. atonement. I just know it works in my life. So uh, what you just said, you realize, don't you, that within the evangelical community, Calvary chapels and places, they're saying the same thing. You, they need his grace. Right. So that message is not any different between what you're claiming you're finding within Mormonism and what we find in traditional evangelical churches. Yes, I think the difference is, like I reiterated before, I think the Mormon church is too strict. But I've seen some, like the vineyard. I've been to the vineyard, and it's like, well, yeah, it's okay if you still take drugs, and you know the Lord loves you. And Well, no, I'm not saying somebody's going to go to hell for they take drugs. You know, I'm, I'm not God, but I don't think it's a good idea to take drugs, and I think... The church should be there to help you get off drugs. I mean, you know, that's just how I feel. Right, sure. So it's a very personal religion for you, but you're not, you're not I thought you were going to come guns a-blazing against uh, uh, born-again Christians and the whole thing. But I, I, what I'm hearing, this is surprising, is that you really are much more open-minded about all religions. You're just saying Mormonism has worked better for you than anything else you found. Well, the problem I have with evangelicals and Protestants, born-agains, Baptists, is a lot of times they, they attack Catholics, they attack Mormons, and I think they tell half-truths. That doesn't mean Mormon history is perfect, mm -hmm. but I think, um, and I wrote a book on Mormon history, and I found out that the Mormon church's version of history and the non-Mormon or anti-Mormon, that they were both a bunch of crap. Mm -hmm. Let me give you a small example. Okay. Um, the Deseret News, and I'm going to give you a simple example. Deseret News said one July 4th that everybody in Utah was happy. You know, the Mormons were just thrilled, and even the non-Mormons came, and there's no problems in Utah. You know, our economy's great, and we feel the spirit. And then you read the Salt Lake Tribune, which at the time was very anti-Mormon, and it said, oh, no, people were protesting the Mormon church. You know, they're abusing us. They're taking away our freedom. We need the federal government in there. And I looked at that and I said, how could both be true? But I did a lot of analysis. I, I did a lot of study. I found out that's because there were two July 4th celebrations. Right. <laughs> but both of them were lying to me. Hmm. And I get tired of lies. I don't care if it's a Mormon church or anti-Mormons. I get really tired of the half-truths. Half I do, too. So we, we well, okay, you know. All right, all right, brother. Uh, let me ask you, um, the Bible, and I know you believe the Book of Mormon very strongly. Yes. And I'm not sure, I can't remember if the Book of Mormon teaches this, uh, it doesn't teach this as strongly, but the Bible is really big 
uh, from Paul on about being dead to the law. Okay. And you've described Mormonism as being very beneficial to you because it gives you the laws. And we know that there's the laws and ordinances of the Mormon church. So you are saying that those ordinances and laws have really benefited you. And so you adhere to it because of that. But Paul is really clear that we are to be, we are to die to the law. And that because uh, to live to the law is sin. And what, what Paul meant by that, and I don't mean to lecture you, but what, no, Paul, sure. what Paul meant by that, um, Larry, is uh, when, when I present you with a law, and on this paper it says this right. is a law, mm -hmm. you are either going to obey it or you're not. And the presence of that law is going to cause you to either be uh, completely obedient or a sinner. Right. So that's the problem with laws, is what Paul says. Is that So when we have these laws, and you're going to say, I live by them, and you fail, you're dead. Because Galatians and James says, if you don't obey the full law, you're a goner if you're trying to be justified by the law. So having said all that, talk to me about your view on laws. Okay. Um, that's a very good question, and that's something that would separate us. Um, I look at the epistles of Paul and I read the whole thing. I think Mormons tend to emphasize the later part of Corinthians or the later part of Romans or the later part of Ephesians, whereas Protestants, Evangelicals, born against Baptists will emphasize the beginning. And this gets back to my thing where I think that um, Baptists, etc., are too liberal with what he's saying. Mormons are too conservative. Because as you read the whole thing, sure he says we're dead to law. Sure we're dead to works. Okay, but if you read the whole thing, then he says, yeah, but just because you're dead to the law, you shouldn't fornicate, you shouldn't be a homosexual, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. So I think, you know, there's both messages there. I think works are important. It's a little bit confusing what the consequences are for bad works because Obviously, if you believe in Christ, you're going to heaven, but it's very, con or somewhere good, but it's very confusing because it seems to indicate if you do serious sins, you know, there seems to be some sort of consequence. Now, whether that's in this life alone or in the next life, I don't know, but I just as soon take no chances, and I'm just happier when I'm a good person. But when I try to do it alone, I have some success and some failure. I have a lot more success when I have the Lord help me. You and I have had different uh, um, experiences in that. When I get involved with uh, institutional religion and their laws, I am more egregious of a sinner. And the, the more I step away from the demands of men and implicating and uh, putting laws upon me, the uh, better I am in terms of my sin nature. I believe that the Holy Spirit, and you talked about the Spirit, mm -hmm. when you say I, I'm better, I'm not as good alone, I don't believe we're ever alone when you have God in you by virtue of the Spirit. So, do you, so typically within Latter-day Saints, they believe that the Holy Spirit comes and goes based off worthiness. Are you under that impression? Well... I've been in a bar before and I felt the Holy Ghost. So obviously, you know, I wasn't drinking at the time, but I, you know, I, w I have been in places where I wasn't doing the right thing. And, you know, I felt bad, so I called out to the Lord or Heavenly Father. And um, I did feel the Holy Ghost, but I think the difference is when I'm not doing that, I feel it more constantly. Also, I've had the same experience with the LDS Church. So at some points in my life, it was better to get away from it because I felt similar to you. But I found that if you submit, and I don't mean take the place of Jesus, but if you submit to the church, okay, um, and you say, okay, well, what my bishop is saying, this part I agree with, this part I don't, but at least you listen to him. Um, but I think there is a little bit of submission. I mean, if you... And there's a little bit of faith believing in the church because if you're always questioning it, I think it is going to be difficult and you might be better off without it. Mm -hmm. But I think 
because um, I used to argue with the church all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I got disfellowshipped. I didn't believe in any of it, you know, but, and I still don't believe in all of it because I think that men have crept into it. I mean, as an example, the word of wisdom was given, not as a commandment, but in the 1920s, it was changed to a commandment. Mm -hmm. That may be of God, that may be of men, but that's just an example. I don't know that everything, you know, because Joseph Smith was a man, Brigham Young was a man. I don't know that everything they said was 100% correct. I don't think that everything, every prophet, I mean, even Paul in the New Testament, he says, now this isn't of God, this is just my opinion, you know. So I think that that's why it's so important to have a relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. But I think, for me anyway, and I'm not telling people what to do, but what works for best for me is if I listen to church leaders, I listen to the Holy Ghost, I read the scriptures, I use reason, I look at what scholars say, I look at all of it, and I still might not discover the truth, but I think I have a higher probability of discovering the church I mean the truth, um, if I um, just listen to Mormon church leaders or I just go by the Holy Ghost or I just go by the scriptures, and I would add prayer to that also. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so in terms of a hierarchy, if this is, it probably isn't fair to ask you, but would you put Christ, your relationship with Christ uh, through the Holy Spirit ahead of your membership and activity in the Mormon church? Yes, absolutely. Well, that's good to hear, you know, and often people would say, well, they're synonymous. And, and even more often, many active Latter-day Saints would say, no, the church is, uh, my allegiance to the church shows that I, my allegiance to the Lord. And I think you've discovered the difference between that, and that's admirable. I think it's great. Well, well, just a short story. I remember teaching Jehovah Witnesses. I don't like the word teach. We were talking to Jehovah Witnesses. <coughs> that sounds patronizing. So I'm a mission, and um, of course, we're gonna differ on this. But I, I said, what if, what if God himself, I mean, you knew it was Jehovah, okay, because they believe, you know, Jehovah is Heavenly Father. So what if Jehovah himself came to you and you knew it was Jehovah? Would you believe the Bible and the Watchtower or would you believe God? And she said, well, I would believe the Watchtower and the Bible. I said, well, it sounds like to me you worship the Bible and the Watchtower. You don't worship God. But then at the same time, my missionary companion said, wow, that was great, and everything else. I said, wait a second, Elder Curtis. If God came to you and told you the Mormon church isn't true, what would you do? Oh, I'd still be a Mormon. I go, wait a second. Yeah. Sounds like you worship the church. Yeah. And I think we need to worship God. I mean, church is fine. The Bible's fine. But for me, God and Christ come first. This is really uh, good because we have, um, we've been saying that while you know I don't, don't agree with Mormonism uh, institution uh, at all, and in fact I have really no respect at all for the upper echelon, uh, and I don't appreciate what they do through the temple and through the demands of tithes and Sabbath days and all, I, I just absolutely, but I know there's other churches uh, within the body of Christ that are just as reprehensible, in my opinion. I mean, church is church. And so uh, this is a breath of fresh air because while we can pick on the Mormons, and I have, uh, we can pick on ourselves just as much if we really get down to it. And of course, we've been taking a task for doing that. But what he's saying, I think it has some, has some merit. He's a Latter-day Saint who's saying, I like going there. It makes me feel better. I live better because of it. I think there's something to that. And that's between you and God. If, if you've decided that, you go before your maker and said, I went because it made me live a better life. If you think that's going to carry weight, you do it. And, but he's also saying, I would never put that institution ahead of my faith in God in Christ. And that's what all of us need to be saying, really. I would never put my faith uh, in the Bible ahead of my faith in God in Christ. I would never put my faith in my pastor. I would never put my faith in a uh, systematic theology like Calvinism ahead of my relationship with God and Christ. And it's just a reprioritization. So I think that's excellent. Uh, we have James in Irvine, California. Hey, will you ask Derek if that is related to our guest tonight or if it's something else? Thanks. Um, So this, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but what does Mormonism offer you that Jesus 
a relationship with Jesus does not. And I know you believe you probably already answered that, but what is it giving you? This is what an evangelical would ask. What are you getting from the institution that Jesus doesn't give you? Straight up. First of all, and this has nothing to do with salvation, but they help me temporally. Okay. Um, and I think I live here. I mean, I have a body. I mean, it's a really bummer that I'm not with Christ, you know. But they help people as far as welfare program. Um, they don't help everybody. Depends on the person. Um, but like I said, they've given me about $50,000. When I was homeless and I was really having a hard time, they got me back on my feet. Um, and so there are temporal blessings from it, okay? But for me, if I stop going to the Mormon church, I tend to start wandering off. I start disbelieving in Christ. I start looking at scientific reasons not to. I rationalize, and I lose the spirit more. Um, so that's what it gives me. Now, I like other churches more than others. I like the Church of the Nazarene. I've gone there, and I've had pretty good experience with that. But... Um, Again, the Church of the Nazarene doesn't fill me with the Spirit as much as, in other words, I can experience Christ better in the Mormon Church. Than, Why do you suppose that is? Do you believe it's because they have the priesthood? Or do you think it's because they have been imbued more with possessing the Holy Spirit? Or why, do you, why is it your opinion that the Holy Spirit is more present in an LDS church than it is in a Nazarene well, I believe in the priesthood, and also I believe in miracles, because probably witnessed about 40 miracles. Some denominations don't believe in modern-day miracles. That's hard for me to believe because I've witnessed them. Mm -hmm. Now, some people could say they were of the devil, but I don't believe they were. I got a really good feeling from them, and I'm glad my life was saved, or mm -hmm. different things. And, and I just... Those things happen more to me when I'm LDS than I'm not. So are you attributing the fact that you're LDS that miracles occur? Or are you attributing the fact that miracles occur because God's involved? Well, God is involved, but like I said, I'm more involved with God when I go to the LDS church. Mm -hmm. What happens to me, and I'm not saying this is true for everybody, right. but what happens to me when I get away from the LDS church I try to be Lutheran. I try to be born again. I try to be Church of the Nazarene, whatever. I try to experience God through those things and Christ. But the problem for me is it just doesn't stick. And I start wandering off and tempted to be an agnostic. Well, is it possible that some of that is due to the fact that you were raised in it and that that's what you know and that's what you've been taught and so you kind of have those paths in your brain wired and when you get back to those same things that you experienced as a youth they fire off in the right order and it makes sense to you and you feel at home but the, the thing that's curious to me is how about going to God directly in your car or out on the mountains and just saying why do I need to be in one of these institutions, which you are, have said, right. Larry, are faulty? You know, why am I in these faulty institutions? Why don't I, why can't I relate to you directly? And see, that's my claim, is I think that everyone can do that. But you're saying that it's more because the religion is, keeps you in line. Do you disagree that God isn't capable of keeping Larry in line without a church? Well, I would never answer your prayers. I'm not God. I'm yes. just speaking for myself. But when I have prayed and asked him if I should go to the Mormon church, if I should just be born again, here's the answer I personally get. Okay. Maybe I'm getting it from a false God or whatever, but I believe it's from the true God. And I get the answer, Larry, the Mormon church isn't perfect but it's the closest thing there is, so you should stay in the Mormon church. However, I also get the impression that, I mean, I listen to um, 820 all the time because I'm also told that I should listen to others because there's truth there, too. I listen to EWTN of the Catholics. Now, I'm not saying that the Catholics or this group is you know, 100%, you know, but a lot of times, like with the Catholics, I get temporal ideas. Not so much spiritual ideas, but just different things that they come up with, you know, I find to be interesting. 
but I, I'm told that I should mostly go to the LDS church, but sometimes I'm moved to go to the Lutheran church. I, I really like the Lutheran church, and, and I think the reason why is I went on my mission to Minnesota, they were mostly Lutheran. So, you know, it brings back memories, like you said. And you say, my background? Absolutely. I sure. think we're all influenced by what we were sure. born with. Absolutely. I, I'm like not going to deny that. because they drink beer. Come on. No, no. I, I've never, I've had about three beers in my life. Really? Women are the problem for me. Got it. <laughs> not alcohol. <laughs> However, I've come a long ways on that. Well, you know? you're in the but right is... religion if women's your problem, because at least you have the promise of many of them afterward, uh, if, if you do it right. That's tempting, yes. <laughs> I'll I know be honest. <laughs> so, uh, I would suggest, just because you're on the show, right. that... Um, I believe, and it's my belief, like you say, this is just my belief. Sure. I believe that, that the religion hinders you. I don't think it is helping you uh, stay on, in, in harmony. I, think, I, don't think, I don't think it's hurting. No, I do think it's hurting. I think it's hurting you because I do think there's more liberty and freedom through Christ that's available through the Spirit than what the institution's giving you. And I think it's kind of like, see, the way you're saying it is, well, let me give you this question. Okay. What would you say to a person who says, I'm a Muslim because Islam gives me structure? And they do, they're very ruled. Sure, sure. And so I find happiness being Muslim. And therefore, it's, I'm a better husband and I'm not as this or that. Or that. So I would maintain what, what Muhammad said. What would your response be with that being their justification for being Muslim, knowing how important Jesus is? Well, I would say, you know, I would try to be positive because I think there are good things in the Muslim faith, but I would say the reason I'm not Muslim. Again, I don't like to tell people what to do, yeah. but I would say I'd rather do through example, you know, and witness, but I don't really... So I would say the same thing to a Muslim, a Catholic, a Greek Orthodox, um, whatever. I would say, I think it's great that you get personal revelation, but I don't think your church gets general revelation. I would also say, don't get me wrong, the Mormon church does not always get general revelation, but I think it's possible for them. And I think the problem with these other religions, the problem with Mohammed that I have is, Mohammed's dead. They don't have, it's the same problem I have with Protestants. They really don't have one religion. They don't have one leader. It's kind of chaotic. And for me, I just can't deal with all that chaos. If they can, that's great. But I just, it's not, they've got Shia, they've got Sunni, they've got, um, you know, they just, you know, and it's not really, I don't know, they're not getting modern revelation. And to me, that's important, not only personally, but as a group. Mm. So you're, you're uh, again, so when I asked you what does Mormonism give you that Jesus doesn't, you're indirectly have just answered that modern revelation is, is one of them. Right, but I think it's coming from Jesus. Right, and so why don't you just get that revelation from Jesus himself? Because sometimes you'll have one person claim they get a revelation, and another person get a revelation, and another person get a revelation. I think that's fine as an individual. But if you're going to have an organization of 10, 20, 30 million people, sometimes you kind of have to have a general message. Otherwise, you get a lot of division. Now, there's division in the Mormon church. Yeah, but prob a probably a lot. Well, my problem with Mormon sects is none of them can really trace their line of authority back. Yeah. There, there's a broken chain there. Uh, uh, but, Larry, getting back to that point of modern revelation, uh, again, the Christian the Christians I know would say, my modern revelation comes from Jesus. Right. I have the Holy Spirit in me. Why would I need a man who calls himself a prophet to tell me what the Holy Spirit is directly in intimate relationship with telling me? And that way I have that responsibility to listen directly to God and I have that responsibility to follow or that irresponsibility to turn away. What you're kind of saying is I go to the men I, I'm going to rely on what the men say, rather than the Holy and the Holy Spirit's with you. You, why don't you? Why can't you rely on the Holy Spirit alone? You got to go to the failing institution. You've admitted it has faults. 
So it's no, not perfect. Right, right. So if they make mistakes, why would you ever trust? Because the Holy Spirit's never going to make a mistake with you alone. I'm just talking about you. Why don't you just rely on God through the Spirit? Because I have found sometimes I make mistakes through the Spirit. But so do they. Yes. But here's what I go by. I know it could be wrong, but this is what I do. Again, I've said this before. I use reason. I use scholarship. I use the scriptures. I, I listen to them. I use the Holy Ghost. I use reason. I use all of them. Now, I'm not saying everybody has to do that. Yeah. But that's what works best for me. And also, there's accountability. Okay? Mm -hmm. To who? Well, I believe God works through people. You know, I, I've had miracles. I've worked directly with God. Mm -hmm. But every day, for me anyway, maybe with you, God's with you constantly and giving you all the answers. But for me, sometimes people do. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm saying, hey, Lord, I really need a job, you know. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord says, well, why don't you go talk to your bishop or your home teacher? And I do. And they say, hey, I've got a job for you. Mm -hmm. So I feel that having a fellowship or a church um, those people can be, I don't mean this literally, but they can be angels in my life. I see. You've mentioned the material support. You've mentioned the, the job here. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, listen, don't worry about tomorrow. Uh, the problems are sufficient thereof. God, he clothes the lilies of the field. He, he does this. Trust in him. One of the things I came to resent uh, when I came to know the Lord from Mormonism was the constant preparations and, um, you know, the whole deal with the material right. and how they will supply for your needs. Um, but that comes at a high price. That comes at a price of people uh, mandatorily having to pay tithes in order to get into the temple. That comes at a high, business, that comes at a high price for, for that. But Jesus said, trust your father who, who dresses the lilies of the field. So I'm trying to offset your, your rationalization for being Latter-day Saint from the material support and just asking you, why can't you go directly to God and say, I'm going to trust you to provide for me to make my bills and I'm going to trust you'll do it. Because I do know a lot of Christians who live that way. I try to live that way. So again, I'm offsetting what you've said. I want to know right. why you, is it because you don't maybe have the faith yet? And that's fine that you can't trust God directly, so you have to go to the institution? Or is it that you think the institution really is there in God's hands for you? Well, first of all, I don't interpret the scriptures like you do, which is, I'm not gonna beat you up or anything. It's just that from my study and scholarship and my prejudice and everything else, I don't think the Lord was talking literally to every Christian. Yeah. Yes, in a general sense. He we was need talking to, to his disciples. He was talking to his apostles, yeah. I think, and the people that were full-time in the ministry, mm -hmm. okay? But um, I think that, I just think fellowship is important. I mean, the scriptures tell us fellowship is important. Mm -hmm. And for me, there's not enough fellowship in these other churches. However, I will say this, I think, well, let me give you a brief example. I remember being in Wisconsin, and you can look it up on the internet, it's called the Derecho. You know, it had a really weird tornado. And again, I know I'm getting into the material, but you asked about the lilies of the yeah. field. So basically, here's what happens, is this tornado comes in, it wipes out Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And all the born-agains, all the Catholics, all the atheists, all the... You know, it was Lutherans. It's amazing that they didn't even pray to God. They were saying, oh, wow, the government needs to, you know, help us. And the Mormons just, boom, you know, it was amazing. They all got together and everything. We met at the church. Nobody told us to. There were no cell phones. There was no courier that went around. We just went to the church. We organized. We got everybody fed. Then we reached out to other people, you know, and tried to help them. Of course, most of them wouldn't. They said, I'd rather starve than take help from a Mormon, but um, I think you can, you can look at, you can cite scriptures like lilies of the field, but you can also look at the book of Acts where they did have all things in common. And I think what- That the, was a mistake, it didn't last. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, but it's an ideal. I yeah. mean, really what we should be doing, not just Mormons, but everybody, you know, if we could live this way where the rich just help the poor, mm. that's really the message. Mm. But sometimes it needs to be institutionalized because we're just not there and we live a lesser law. Mm -hmm. Tithing isn't really what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. 
we're supposed to give, freely give. But again, these common ideas, you know, having all things in common, yeah, sometimes it just doesn't work. Well, the LDS aren't alone in the abuse of, of the word tithe, so right, maybe right. I'm not just picking on them. Listen, we have a question here. Larry, do you feel like you've ever been born again? Yes. How do you explain that? What, how, how would you explain to our audience, uh, being LDS, how you were born again or what that means? Well, my mom believed that I should be Christian first and then Mormon. Okay. I know that sounds bizarre. No, it doesn't. But she felt that I needed to read the book of John first. Mm. Okay, and I was very touched by the mm. book of John. And it said, it seemed to say to me that I needed to be born again, that I needed a savior. Mm. So I remember being very young. I don't know how old I was, seven, ten, something like that. Now I'd gotten baptized mm -hmm. and I felt the spirit, but I'm not sure that I was really born again. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I became born again, but after that, I read the Book of Mormon, and I felt good about that also. But I think I was a Christian first before I was a Mormon. Yeah, that's what, there's your answer to your question, that off-air question, and it's a great answer. Uh, I was born again as a Latter-day Saint, um, and people have people told me to my face that's impossible, and I know you've heard me rant on about that, but it's very possible. These religions they might box people up. They haven't boxed Larry up. In, in my estimation, they had to kick Monson off the stage and put Larry there. <laughs> I mean, the thing might start doing something right. I mean, because you, you support it, you, you, you talk about it. it's been, you know, forget it. Institutionally, it's going to slaughter the evangelicals, and that is a complaint. You know, with all of our money and all of our power, why can't we put it together like the Mormons? And Brigham Young had a lot to do with that. He was very good at what he started, and so did Smith. So you make great points, and I think you deserve marks for your points on the good things that they do. However, on the other side, I do think that they put their people in bondage. I do believe that people aren't as free as you are. And if we put the, we went across the neighborhood and gathered five people to sit here and talk and they were active LDS, Larry, we would not be hearing what you're saying. So you're, you're kind of a beacon and I think it's wonderful. Um, thank you very much. Let's go to Charlie in West Valley City. This is related to tonight's topic. Charlie, you're on the air. Oh, let me turn this thing down here real quick. Okay. Okay, Charlie. Uh, first of all, first of all, I'd like to say uh, thank you, Larry, for coming on the show. Took a lot of courage. You're absolutely an incredible guest. Well, thank you. Are you there? He said thank you, Charlie. Okay. Um, the, the question that you had there about being born again, I was going to ask that question about him. Does he, love, does he love the Lord with all his heart, soul, and mind? You're being vetted right now. Oh, yes, of course I do. <laughs> or I try to. He says he tries, okay. Charlie. Okay, brother. Well, you know, I myself was born outside of uh, Christianity, come to know the Lord. And, of course, right now I'm going through a struggle with preterist, being a preterist. So I'm also been cast out of some of the institutions. Um, but... And Sean understands that uh, a little bit. <laughs> well, you're not alone, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. So what I was calling to say was today, I had a great conversation. This is kind of bittersweet, Sean, uh, with a guy that I work with. He uh, told me, well, you know, I was talking to this guy. I watched his show. His name was Sean McCraney. I said, really? Well, what what'd you learn from that? He said, well... I started to watch his show. I was a Mormon married in the temple twice. My first wife died. My second wife passed away also. I was married both times in the temple. And I was watching his show one day, and he came up with the um, story about the first vision that Joseph actually said it was from an angel. And then I started researching it, come to find out that I had been lied to for 14 years. And it angered me so bad that I didn't want anything more to do. I started doing more research and more research. He said, I believe in God. I still do believe in God, but as far as institutional organizations, I have nothing to do with them because I did go to other institutions. I couldn't find 
any institution that would do anything more but ask me for tithing and ask me to join their programs and get involved, and I've had enough of that. But at this point, he says, I'm just an agnostic. I believe in God. I believe there's a higher power, and I believe in the Bible. But I was lied to for so much long that I couldn't hide from the truth, and so that's where I'm at in my walk. And I was, I was just so impressed with what he said, that he loved God still, but with institutions he is absolutely done with. And I'm looking at Larry here, and I'm saying Larry actually loves God and has a relationship with him, and he just goes to show that Mormons are people and love God as well. It is just the institutions, but Christians have as much mud on their face as the, as the LDS. Amen, brother. We have, a lot of, we have a lot of things going on that really just aren't true. Amen. And, That's mean, a, a great point, Charlie. We're running out of time. I really appreciate your call. Thanks. Thank you for get, taking it. Appreciate Thanks, man. It. James off air from Irvine, California, says he agrees with the approach tonight. Uh, we're going to wrap this up because we're running out of time, but I do want to say um, this is kind of an example of what we're, trying, what we're looking for. We're not going to get along on all the nuances of Mormonism and evangelicalism, but we can get along when it comes to a Latter-day Saint active who says, I like the church and I'm going to it. It's not perfect, but what church is? But I love the Lord and I love God and I seek God and I love the Lord. I'm a better man for going to the Mormon church, but that's, that's between me and God. And we let him and he lets us. And this will start breaking down the, the stuff that is keeping us so bloody divided. I really think that the leaders at the top of these institutions want us to be divided. But I think at the grassroots level, when you sit down with someone who's LDS or a Catholic or whatever, and they love the Lord Jesus, how can we fight over that? How can I fight with Larry? I can't fight with Larry. How can you fight with what he said? I mean, it's an opinion. Some things work for him, but this is what he says. We have to trust that what he's speaking is from the heart. He has to trust that what I say is from my heart and we let each other die and go to God. But in the meantime, we bridge the gap and we try to love and give people the benefit of the doubt and not kill each other. Any final words, Larry, for the audience? Oh, just what he said. I think, you know, a lot of times if, I, here's what I would do. I would read what Sandra Tanner says, and then I would go to Fair Mormon. I would read both because, unfortunately, I find a lot of Mormons that just read the one side and they're totally brainwashed. Mm. But I got to tell you, if you read Sandra Tanner, you're brainwashed too. Um, just read both. Mm -hmm. um, he gave a false version mm -hmm. of you know that um, basically what I believe Joseph Smith had probably dozens of visions, and what happened was. He condensed it for missionary lessons. It's like the book of John. If everything, you know, we'd have volumes and volumes of books. So, mm -hmm. of course, he changed the story. It was a condensed version, and it was there to teach theological truths, you know, that he believed in. But, of course, he didn't tell exactly what happened to him because that would have taken too long. I got to get it for the record because it's going to be important for everyone listening. When you die, and you go to heaven, I'm just making this part up because we're not sure how it works, and you stand before God, and he's going to say, Larry, what, why are you coming into the kingdom? Why should I let you in? What do you say? I'd say, I prayed to you. I followed what you told me to do. And what if he said you didn't follow what I told you to do? Then I'm sorry. I guess I messed up, messed up. But how was I supposed to know better? I, I prayed to the true God. When I said my prayer, I said, you know, I don't care who's right. I'm just praying to the true God. What do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. And that was the answer I received. Mm -hmm. But I can't answer prayers for other people. Right. I don't know what happened to you. So that's all you'd be able to, to give to them, huh? Well, I would say that I'm saved because of Jesus Christ. And I've tried to follow the Savior the best I can. Not with perfect work, works, but because I love him. And I would say that I'm justified because of Jesus Christ. 
But I would tell God or the Savior, whoever's there, that it's their choice. I can't demand that I get into heaven. I mean, it's their choice, not mine. That Jesus Christ part was what I was hoping you'd bring okay. up. I'm All glad right. you did it, my brother. Uh, listen, join us next week as we're going to continue on with last week. Unless something pops up like this, this has been a great night. I really appreciate you coming on. Well, thank on. you. And thanks for sharing your, uh, your witness of Christ through Latter-day Saint Eyes. And uh, we'll see if more of these come up. And uh, if you have some comments, email us. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. I'm on a ride, going nowhere I am an existential cowboy on the wind And I won't be coming out, I'm going in This man's awake a storm's arising, the dawn's awaiting till a hundred monkeys know. And I can feel the light 